Sci-Fi for Me presents Jason Hunt, Timothy Harvey. This is the H2O Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this little corner of the internet where we have this little project called the H2O Podcast. Hello, my name is Jason Hunt. And I am Timothy Harvey. And here we go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah, it's it's one of those things, right? Um, let me hit a button here. So um, tonight, and, and I see Dave there in the chat. Good uh, good evening. Good to see you there. So tonight uh, we're spinning out of something that happened over the weekend. Mr. Harvey was involved in a project, a little filmmaking project. Why don't you <laughs> Why don't you bring everybody up to speed? Because I haven't done one of these in a very, very long time. Right, I, right. Uh, um, so this weekend, I uh, on this Saturday, I participated in the One Night Stand film competition. That's the oldest and first timed film festival where you go out and you make a film during a certain amount of hours and that actually you see them all over the world now but that started here in kansas city uh and it started um with the organization that i have been involved with since 2006 called uh, the independent filmmakers coalition of kansas city i spent a decade on the board president etc cetera, etc cetera. i have cheerfully not had any responsibilities <laughs> of great weight for some time except i do because i have consistently run the film program for um the kansas city fringe festival which i'm doing again this year um and so i've put together the ifc's film program every year so i'm still involved yeah. <laughs> and technically these days i'm an advisor to the board anyway um the one night stand is 10 hours you see 48 hour film festivals all over the place, but we do it in 10, which is, you know, nuts. It is. But, but the really cool thing is some really, really interesting, very solidly made films get made in 10 hours. If you are planning and thinking and, and using your time, right. Yeah. And we did not win. My team did not win. Didn't win anything. Um, but which, which we, is unusual given how, uh, given who was involved in your team this year. I had a fantastic team. Um, it was myself, uh, my friend, Brian boy, who, um, has a, long been involved in the Kansas city film community. Uh, we have a long running, very manufactured rivalry. Um, we've been, <laughs> we talk, we talk trash on each other all the time. Um, we are, we are best enemies. You know, he's my, he's my uh, favorite nemesis, that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, but we love working together. And so there were 12 teams this year. Everyone got their entries in on time, which I think might be the first time that's ever happened. That's a, uh, I'm yeah, not entirely sure, but it, it was, it's very rare. I don't think that's ever happened. So it was very, very that was very cool. Um, and the, th so it was me. Brian, um, our, our friend Amanda Harrison, who's a fantastic actress, uh, who I haven't had a chance to work with in a really long time. She's, she was out in California for quite some time. Um, uh, Andy Meyer, who, who's a wonderful actress I've worked with. My friend uh, Sam Sentman, fantastic actor. Um, uh, Ari Bavel, Ari Bavel, who is in uh, our, our, your my yes. film statement of Randall Sam Carter. Carter. Um, and um, uh, Alex Robertson, who is our editor, um, who is just a uh, she's she's fast. She's fast, which is great because you need a fast editor. Yeah. The problem is, is we had too good of a time, <laughs> and we ended up with so much really really funny dialogue that we gave Alex too much to do. There was just no way she could sort through all right we had given her. And the thing is that we we shot in three hours. We had we were done in three hours, of it, but it was three hours of very funny dialogue. <sighs> See, that's when so. you have that's when you need a good script supervisor to right. make notes. Well, okay, I, I say, left someone out, Molly like Montgomery. Molly was um, <clears throat> left someone out, Molly Montgomery, who is often a script supervisor. Yeah, was also in the cast. Um, she really relished the fact to get a chance to act again. She's also a very, very talented actress, but she was often 
not called upon to be an actress. She was often, she's done scripty a lot. So, yeah. Um, but the thing is, is that we had a fantastic time. I haven't laughed that hard in a long time. It was a wonderful, beautiful day. We did not win. I really was impressed with the films that did. What the, the second place winner? The second place winner. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first time one of the, the, the editor had ever done one of these. Oh, wow. And the edit was slick. I was really impressed with their edit. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so it's a fantastic thing. If you ever have an opportunity, if you're interested in doing an independent film, if you have an opportunity to do one of these timed festivals, 48 hours, 10 hours, whatever it is, um, they are a lot of fun. They are also incredibly stressful. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. <laughs> um, See, and it... I swore years ago that I would never edit. I've edited one and I will never do it again. You would have to set me on fire <laughs> to get me to do it again. Well, it's like, if you edit again, we'll put you trick, out. I'm like, fine. The trick <laughs> to the timed, when I was doing them, the trick to the timed productions like that are is is that you edit while you're shooting. Right, right. And, and, and you have other, to, you start dropping stuff in. And I remember one, one year we did one uh, and we were shooting in, in, in an, uh, basically an abandoned, an empty building. And I had the camera directly connected to my computer. So I was capturing into the computer as mm-hmm. we were shooting. So right. it was, it was recording on the tape. This is back when we were still using tape, but it was recording on the tape and it was feeding through a cable to my laptop. Right. So I was capturing at the same time and then I could sort it and organize it and label it and do this, that, and the other and start editing while I was shooting it and directing it. <laughs> I was like, right. No, well, and, and this was one of the, this is another handicap we gave to Alex, which is she, she had a, a conflict that morning. So she shut up at the very end of the shoot. So, so I she think that if she, had, if she had been on set yeah. while we were doing it, um, but again, oh, uh, we had a great time and she is, <clears throat> we, we screened our film. I quite I, I I walked into I walked into the screening and I walked up to my to my cast and crew that could make it and I said, "I'm so very proud of you all. We're not going to win." <laughs> and I butchered our movie, um, <clears throat> but uh, we're doing a she's doing a fresh edit, just just With looking at what we've got yeah. and and building the film that we all saw in our heads because I think it's it's probably a nine minute comedy piece. Sure. Um, and, and, uh, but we'll see what happens, but we're, we had, like I said, had a fantastic time. Um, the answer to the question is how many are on a team? It widely varies. There yeah, has been, it's... uh, I think this year we had a team that had two people and we've had teams that, have, uh, I think, uh, the biggest team, I think had something like 10 people this year. Yeah. Um, because we've uh, had I'm not, not, not entirely sure we've had between five and ten on the teams that I've that I've run in the past. So, so my our, our our dearly departed friend uh, David Barry, um, uh, really fantastic uh, filmmaker and um, incredibly foul mouthed and and just um, uh, wickedly funny uh, friend of ours who passed away a few years ago. Um, he believed very strongly in the power of build a giant team and then have them invite their friends and family <laughs> to the screening so that you can like uh, have a cheering section because they have the audience choice award which is a, which is a popular uh, a vote award and he's just like no rules against it yeah and the fun part is is that if you're ever on one of those big teams you always had something to do because he was he always had this crazy idea, and we're gonna. By the way, we're gonna try and do this next year. Brian and I, Brian and I talked about this. Uh, David was one of those. Um, he really loved the technical aspects of filmmaking. He was an, he, an editor. Uh, and a big, big part of his his professional life was being an editor, and he would do things like try and do a three D movie for a one night stand. He did that uh, <laughs> uh, two or three years before he passed away. Um, and it didn't work, but it was an amazing attempt because he did it. He shot a 3D movie. He had two cameras and he did he did everything you're supposed to do. Yeah. And it just did, ultimately it, it it just he ran out of time to make it all work the right way. But he always did that on, on these. He always took, gave himself a technical challenge 
let's do this difficult thing right and then do it in 10 hours and so brian and i are going okay what can we come up with next year that we can pull off that would be like let's do a thing <laughs> like let, let's let's try the let's, let's try something technically hard because you know this is this a lot of pretty much everybody who was on this team had worked with dave had been friends with dave and so he came up as we were talking about it because you know we haven't seen amanda in years and or we just in passing so um and she and i worked with him on a lot of stuff so um yeah that's what we're going to try and do next year is try and try and give ourselves something that is um a technically a challenge to pull off it doesn't have to be too elaborate it just has to be something that's a challenge for us we're not going to yeah, try and like right, you know right. it would be a challenge for dave he, he had a, he had a stronger skill set base than a lot of people so well and and it's been so long since i've done one of those things i i got to the point where it was uh, not logistically feasible for me to be doing them anymore. Uh, just sure. you know, family and work and and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Plus, plus all of this that I was doing here. So I haven't done one in oh a dog's age. I mean, it's been it's been a very long time. And so I last really year I was <clears throat> last year I was the host for the, the thing so i collected all the films so i didn't do one the year before that we were in the midst of the pandemic nothing right happened there um and then in 2017 um uh brian and, and dustin adair who's done stuff for sci-fi for me and um we had an award-winning um uh, short film that we did that year for this competition but it was very visual it was it was all about the visuals and so yeah. we there was like you know a minute's worth of dialogue in the entire thing and it's like okay that i can't remember did, i want to say that the last one of these that that i did was the census one Oh, I, th I think I did that one for the for the, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if I did that one for for a, a one night stand 10 hour thing or not. Let me let me look real quick because that that's actually one that I thought was that actually came together pretty well. Um, I don't even Every, remember what even, it even it. the ones that we that, that I've worked on that have just not worked or have made it in late or or. You know, the, the thing is, is that even even if the film doesn't work out well, they're fun. They're just fun. I mean, if you're if you if if being under pressure, you know, causes you trauma, you might not enjoy them. But yeah, um, the uh, and and some folks just aren't built for that, and that's fair. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, they're def we definitely had a lot of we've had a lot of fun with them. So I. I oh. encourage you folks to get out there and do that sort of thing. If you, if the opportunity arises, you'll have, you'll probably thank, you know, thank yourself for getting involved. So interesting. Okay, so it's called the enumerators, and oh, yeah. I don't, I don't see, I don't see any note here that it was done for the for the one night stand, but it does have over three thousand views, and I'm very, I'm very surprised. Of course, it's twelve <laughs> years old, so well. you know, there is that, but uh, <laughs> yeah. It, I don't see that it's I don't see that it's part of that. Um, it might have been. I don't remember. Because we shot this we shot this in a day, if I remember right. I want to see. Was it the one night center? Was it forty eight hour? Um. That's a good question. I don't remember. Like I said, it's been it's been a very long time. Yeah, I uh, the other the other thing is of course uh, uh, doing the we've done a lot of the forty eight hour film festivals here in town too. So um, yeah, they're just fun. They're they're just fun. So what what all of this is leading up to is our our topic for this evening on smaller projects, smaller films, smaller stories. Um, because the the Marvel franchises seem to be kind of starting to slow down just a little bit, and 
the and I'm, I'm not sure if that's quite the right word because they they're taking a whole different tack with this phase than they did before which i think a lot of people have have noticed that it doesn't feel as there's a trajectory that that people are because yeah. the first one i mean and 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 cast your mind back to the early days of the marvel cinematic universe there wasn't really a trajectory at the beginning either right and kevin feige but, has said that as we get closer to the end of phase four people will start to realize where it is that they're going. Right. But right now it's, it's a bunch of different directions and there's yeah. a bunch of different tones. And, and, but and people... part of me really likes that because as much, as much as I enjoy the Marvel movies and as popular as they are, and we've talked about that on this yeah. show before, they're formula films. They are. Yeah. And, and I there's think... nothing wrong with formula films. That's well, and I fine, think people are starting I... to realize that they're formula. I mean, because the people like us who are steeped in this and we understand this, we, you know, we have training and we have experience in this. This is what we do. Early on, it's easy for us to recognize that there's a formula. And now that we've gone however many years, normal people are starting Almost to recognize the formula. Almost two yeah. decades. So, Which is insane. Same. Looking, I mean, but you look at the box office numbers for things like Doctor Strange. I mean, Doctor Strange might get to nine hundred million. It's not going to be a billion dollar box office hit. And you know, the Eternals didn't perform as well as everybody expected it to. You know, no. all these different things, and and it feels like Phase Four is not getting the same kind of reception from audiences. Now, whether that's the kind of stories they're telling or people are people are tired of the franchise stuff or the, you know, the big blockbuster is overhyped and it's, Oh yeah, it's one of these again. People get honestly, used to it. The, the part of it is, is that we've got, and I think this is, this is just, um, this might just be the new reality and I'm not sure it's too early to tell yet, but in some cases it's, you know, if you're the early part of this year, I think people were still hesitant to get back into theaters as much. I think, I think people are more comfortable doing that now. Uh, not as and there are folks who aren't and, yeah. and that that were before so those are those are people who are not sitting in those seats and they're just not going to be there until they're comfortable but also we've also gotten so used to things showing up on streaming right that it ends up being a thing where i could see it in the theater or i could wait for it to show up on this thing i'm already paying for yeah well, and I, and we talked about that today on on live from the bunker. Paul Garabedian was there. We were talking about Light Lightyear, and how much of a bomb it is. I mean, box office has just been abysmal for this thing, and a number of factors for it. It's a but film nobody was asking for. I know, I know, I know, and and. There nobody are got, other nobody was begging for this movie. There are other reasons why I think it's it's fizzled. And you know, if you guys want to get into that conversation, you can head over and watch that video. But the <clears throat> one of the things, one of the possibilities on that is like what you're talking about. Well, I'll just just when is it coming to, to Disney Plus? I'll just watch right. it then. And but but that's not the case with. Top Gun, for example, Top Gun Maverick, which is a Paramount movie. So eventually it's going to be on Paramount Plus. And you would think that some people are going to wait well. for Paramount Plus and it's not. It's it's cleared a billion dollars and it's been in the top three for the last, what, three, four five weeks, however long it's been out. So you and I have talked about the dangers of nostalgia before. Mm -hmm. However... This would be an example, I think, of the pro side of nostalgia. Yeah. Okay, kids. When it's done <clears throat> if, well. If you are of a certain age, Kenny Loggins, <laughs> um, The Righteous Brothers. Um, well, the Righteous Brothers were a lot earlier than Kitty Loggins, but I, I know, I but I mean, saying. you know, you've yeah. lost that was it, you've lost that love and feeling. Isn't that the Righteous Brothers? Yeah. Um, the well, Hollow Notes did it too, but yes, the Righteous well, yeah, Brothers. There's... That's that's the one in the jukebox there. Yeah. But it is. Um, it was a big, big thing. It was a lovely Air Air, Air Force recruiting tool. Uh, <laughs> and they used it. And they used it. They they capitalized Navy. on that quite a bit. Navy, not Air Force. Oh, it's 
if there's planes. They're involved. Navy pilots, Tim. You got to get that right. Boy, I, and I and I realize I realize that the, that that there are, are many folks who who have served in the military <laughs> who who definitely make that distinction. Um, and fair enough. Um, but the um, it was a huge hit. It was a huge hit. Yeah. And if We've we've seen this happen for pro for good and for ill, uh, where something that was a huge hit when when the folks behind the new version were a teenager, mm-hmm. uh, you know it's and and they we're gonna bring it back and, and yeah. it's a sequel and and we've seen it we've seen stuff like you and I both really enjoyed uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife we thought that was a return yes. and, and they get they they did it they didn't they didn't ape the original film that it they they but they they dealt with it in a way that callbacks but not parody right the the nostalgia aspect worked for it Mm -hmm. here this is a film where it didn't get a bunch of sequels okay there was there was um well okay there was the entire unofficial iron eagle series but that's a (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't count there was there were the it was essentially the pre-asylum but, um but don't you fairness, but Lou, don't Lou you want to see film, so. don't you want to see a top gun iron eagle crossover i mean wouldn't that i don't even know if it was the same production you know the same studio that did them but but wouldn't that be fun that, well it could potentially be fun i mean you could also, you, also you, a recipe for disaster it could be a mess, but, but yeah yeah but i think that so so, so here's this here's this film that it's kind of like uh, and 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 of course the '80s were a big time for this. There were these big blockbuster films, and on the horror side of things, it would be as if there had never been sequels to the Lost Boys. And and I know folks want to forget that there were sequels to the Lost Boys. There were <laughs> two sequels. Um, the wasn't, reason you wasn't one of them th- straight to video? Weren't they straight to video? Both of them were straight to okay, video. Okay, that's and they were and and, and I've watched. <clears throat> I have watched ten minutes of one of them, and I was like, "Yeah." <clears throat> but see, this and, is this is the kind of thing that when people are sitting there going, "Okay, well, Maverick here is a sequel thirty six years after the original," and people are looking at this and saying. Uh, Lucasfilm, this is what The Force Awakens should have been. 30 years, this is how you treat your source material with a good amount of respect. And, you know, there's like, it can be well, done. There's, there's, okay, so there, there's, a couple of, there's a couple of problems, and I think, I think this is, and I've been thinking about this on the Star Wars side of things, um, is I really think Star Wars new needs to pull a next generation. Just ditch, just ditch everything, mm-hmm. everything, and and start a new set of stories over here. Well, they're kind of doing have, that with High Republic. Well, okay, that that's they're trying, and to. that's and that's great. But I think that the 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 problem with the film prequel, the film sequels, and I think some of the problems. And and some of the TV stuff has has some folks some folks have really really liked what the TV stuff has done. Some folks haven't, obviously. I know, but I think that the problem is is that Star Wars is leaning too much into nostalgia right now. It is too much of the hey, you loved this, have some more of this. Yeah, and I'm like, and and I'm not saying there isn't a place for that. There is a place for that, and but- there's nothing wrong with that. For me, as a viewer. I personally find it. I find it easy for it to be regressive, mm-hmm. and and almost well, and if you have navel gazing, if you have people that are making it that don't quite understand what it is that they're making, as far as canon and lore and continuity, and oh wait, well, you're okay, doing this hold, hold because on. it doesn't line Can't, up with this. And I know yeah, the prequels, I, I, prequels did it too, but no, no, I, well, I, <clears> the original, the original three did it too. People yeah. talk about canon and everything like that. And and guys, remember, Lucas was making it up as he went <laughs> along. Right. He didn't care about canon. We do because that's what fans do. But here's the thing we have to remember, folks. And I'm not saying Star Wars is an example of this because I I, I don't particularly think it is. 
but in general, broad strokes, okay? Broad strokes right, here right. on canon. If you are telling a story and you feel that you have to be constrained by canon, is that the story you need to be telling? It because depends on canon, what kind of story you're telling. Canon can be a tool, but it can be a trap. Right, but... I'm just can, saying. Can, yeah, but canon, I, we, maybe we need to have a, a discussion about this further in, a, in another episode. But canon yeah, is... Slave to canon. Canon is something that could be as simple as the internal story logic. Oh, well, internal story logic is just a thing you should have in general canon. Well, canon yeah, but, but it's... <laughs> But if, well, I like, there's a discussion now with Stranger Things mm -hmm. because apparently uh, uh, Winona Ryder's character in this season says March 22nd is one of the kids' birthdays. And in season one, they said it was in May. And so now they got to go back in and correct that one so what happened, to match so, this one. I've, I've read the actual interview with, yeah. the, with the creators of this. And what happened, here's what happened they forgot. Yeah. They forgot the date of the kid's birthday. And so when another yes. character's birthday comes up and they completely ignore this other kid's birthday and, and they're like, uh, guys, we legitimately forgot to do it. Yeah. And we're sorry. But now they said they're going to have to go back and George Lucas, the other one. I think they were joking. They, well, you know, they could do it because they said they've oh, they done could. they've done some tweaks along oh, yeah. the I mean, way of stuff we didn't could. see. They absolutely could, but I think they were joking. But, but anyway, that, all that to, to get into... Right smaller stories because franchise you know there is such a thing as franchise fatigue you know where sure. well star wars is a good example of it where things are starting to kind of wander far afield and nobody quite knows what the next thing is that they're going to do i mean taika waititi's got a movie out there somewhere but nobody knows exactly okay well, what are we going to do that's going to make star wars this great thing again um, and you have the Marvel stuff. You have, we hear another Kelvin Trek movie is in the works. Doctor Who's coming in for the 60th anniversary next year. And, and we're bringing back Tenet for some of it. You know, some memberberry stuff. Where's the new stuff? Where's the smaller stuff? Where's the, where's the, the, the $20 million and the $10 million movie? And yeah, it's, Still, I so mean, to hear to hear those numbers, those are still high for me. But oh god, they're like incredibly. I mean, yeah, they're. But for for the world that we operate in, in terms of of filmmaking these days, yeah, it's just um, John Sales. Yeah, the, the Secret of Rowanish. Well, so so here's what you find with to some degree, this stuff is still happening, right? You're just not finding it in American cinemas, right? Um, and you are, and, and, and the pros and cons of streaming. We've talked about that a little bit before, um, but the you can find this stuff out there. A lot of you get the the film industries of say the UK, um, or or well, you know, we talk about the horror stuff over on foreign bodies, but it, there's science fiction films and, and fantasy films being made around the world all the time too. Yeah. Often operate with much, much smaller budgets because their film industries are not built the same way that the U.S. is. It's not the machine that the U.S. film industry is. Um, and you got to feed the machine. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but so this stuff is out there, but it just does, it doesn't get the, it doesn't get the giant footprint Mm -hmm. um, that these big franchises and the, the the pro of the franchise is that you've built up this audience and and they're the folks who are going to come and see your film uh, because it's part of the franchise. They're you know the folks who are always going to show up for a Marvel movie or a Star Wars movie or a John Wick movie or you know whatever whatever the the, the series is. They're going to show up because they're they're invested in the series. Fast and the Furious. Yeah. Okay. You know, gigantic. I mean, quite frankly, they're huge. They, the the Obviously, there are tons of fans of, of this film series. Yeah. I've seen one of them, and I don't never need to see another one because I don't care. I um, want a reboot of Arc 2. So, <laughs> well, here's the thing. I think... I, think I mean, you could stuff. do it. Sure. I think we've had stuff that, that you... A lot of these a lot of these sort of, like, potential things, of course, Gene Roddenberry was famous for them, 
of these potential series that he was trying to get off the air that turned into TV movies and didn't go anywhere. A lot of those ideas had been picked up and reworked in different things. Mm-hmm. Um, and whether it's, it's, you know, something that was actually like uh, Andromeda, of course, was picking up and carrying. Well, Andromeda was thing. the third iteration of the Dylan Hunt right. story. Right. Yeah. But there, uh, there have been some of those other stuff, some of that, especially the, those, Look at the success of Star Wars. We have to make our own science fiction thing yeah. um, that spun out of that, or or the '90s um, syndicated stuff where it was like, let's have let's have our science fiction Xena clone <laughs> over here because everyone loves Lucy Lawless. Who can we put in leather? Um, you know. Well, I uh, yeah, Relic Hunter was Tomb Raider and Indiana Jones with Tia Carrera. And quite frankly, it was entertaining. It was not particularly good, but it was fun. Yeah. And well, I think it was that that, Tia Carrera. I mean, you could well you could do that stuff yeah. with with the syndicated series because you weren't you were actually only hoping to get X number of eyeballs. Yeah. And it was never going to be <laughs> network level <laughs> viewers. You Mute, were never because you were going to get them. Uh, what was it, Cleopatra twenty five twenty five? Lex. Okay, yeah. so so Lex um, is a wonderful example of we've got about six dollars in change <laughs> and yeah. a green screen. Oh, yeah. well, I'm sorry, it would have been a blue screen. Ah, uh, yeah. Well, and you um, know, DS and... DS9 used orange. Yeah, oddly yeah. enough. Uh, yeah. But uh, the Lex Lex, the biggest strength of that show was its willingness to be really odd yeah um and it's entirely why a lot of people could not get into lex because it was like this is just strange and i don't want to watch this and and if you if you were into it then you had a great time but if you didn't it was not for you and for those for those who may not be aware cleopatra 2525 had gina torres in the cast from firefly it was again not particularly good no but it was fun <laughs> yeah. and if you were a te- if you were a teenager or in your early 20s um it was full of very attractive young women yes um running around being athletic so yeah uh dave asked would it be safe to say in the u.s art house films would be these smaller stories usually yeah i mean you've got those um yeah, sure. a, I mean, a modern a modern example of what we're talking about Everything, everywhere, all at once with Michelle yeah. Yeoh. It's mm-hmm. not a franchise film. It's not a tentpole. It's not a blockbuster. It's um, it's a multiverse story. So it's it, science, I mean, fiction science, film. science fiction, but it's small and it's self-contained. And it's I I still need to get out and see it. I've been chopping at the bit to go see it. I just haven't had a chance to. But it's you know small cast. And you just do your thing. Um, I recently uh, reviewed Madeline's, which is a very small film, a uh, time travel story. And basically, it's this couple that creates a time machine in their garage, like you do. And she decides to uh, she decides to use it on herself and ends up duplicating herself so every 50 some odd hours a new duplicate of herself shows up and they end up deciding well in order to in order to to uh, preserve the space-time continuum we have to kill all the duplicates so every time one of them comes through the husband kills her as so the bodies start stacking up until one of them ends up killing the original and so now now we've just got a bunch of duplicates it's it's a it's a it's an interesting piece to to watch because it's it's one location essentially mm-hmm. i mean there's a couple of other ones but most of everything happens in this house mm-hmm. and there's there's a couple of things that are a little you know you got to look at it sideways and kind of uh, accept it for what it is but uh but uh, that's another sure. example of somebody's got okay we've got two hundred thousand dollars we've got a million dollars let's go make us a film you know i i shot a movie in a week and 
you know, you can do those kind of things. I had a crew of 11 people. We went and shot a, a feature film. That kind of thing needs to be happening a lot more. And, and not just the art house stuff that nobody's going to watch. Not just the Sundance Festival stuff that nobody's going to see. I'm talking about stories that can get out to the general masses, the general public, whether it's on a streaming service or in the theaters. In the theaters would be better, but, you know, if you get a deal with, you know, one of the streaming services or if you get a Roku channel or whatnot, you know, it's just some some way to get it out in front of people, then that, I think kind of eases the pressure so you're not feeling like you have to go see the franchise movies all the time mm -hmm. oh it's another marvel movie well i guess i have to go see it you know eventually you're gonna sit there and go yeah i don't i don't i don't feel like i want to go see those ones. i still haven't seen dr strange too I really quite enjoyed it, and yet I will tell you, and 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 when you see it, we'll we'll, we'll talk more about um, the pros and cons I have for that film. I, okay. I have a very specific con, but um, con, um, but um, <laughs> I I, I, enjoy, I overall I enjoyed it. Yeah. I, well, I have a specific one, and I have a hmm um, con about that one, but yeah. I, it it it's overall a lot of fun because it allows itself at times to be silly and that's sam raimi right i mean that's that's the director coming through um but i think see, a horror, on the horror side of things it's a lot easier because you don't necessarily need millions and millions and millions of dollars you don't need a hundred million dollar budget no make. you just need a bunch of caro uh, syrup and a pretty girl that's well. That, I mean, that's very. We've, we've, I've been describing horror as yeah. It's it's you need a you add, need a add knife. Some, you need add some knife, octopus. Blood, and the girl willing to take her top off. Add some octopus in trails. Right. <laughs> right. And and I think that that's that's an advantage. You look at something like um. Um. Well, you're talking so um, Alex Garland. Okay, he did Ex Machina. Yeah. Right. Uh, relative relatively low-budget, standalone science fiction film, one of the films that really made him a big name in... And again, it's somebody making smaller science fiction films, very in, um, intelligent, and I'm, and I'm using mm -hmm. that in this sort of, you know, it's smart sci-fi. It's a, it's a thinking. You have to pay it's, attention. Yeah, they're, more, they're, they're more... Even though they can, be, they can have a lot of action, they're primarily um, stories that require you, the viewer... To think about things, right? Which is great. I love that. I love those stories. Um, I have actually liked all of Alex Garland's work so far. Um, I have not seen Men, um, although I've really found the trailers very interesting, uh, and I like the premise and everything. So it has made a worldwide box office of nine million dollars. Um, men or Deus Machina? Men has a man. Okay. Okay. So. Um, I don't know what the budget is. I'm not actually finding actual budget numbers for it. Mm -hmm. uh, but no one's actually calling it a failure as far as I can tell. So it probably has a very small, relatively small budget. I mean, it essentially has a cast, a very, very small cast. Right. Um, and, you know, there are people who are like, the ending apparently is a thing. Um, but horror gets a little more, I mean, there's, you we, people pay more attention to the franchise numbers when it's a franchise horror film the indie stuff or the the, the individual horror stuff um so much of this stuff gets put out so much individual horror standalone horror pictures get out and trust me folks you don't hear <laughs> about most of them right um you can find them on netflix you can find them on amazon prime and most of them are completely forgettable because they got twelve ninety five, a bottle of fake blood, and a pretty girl. We and, need we need to make a movie. But you look at something like Babadook, or It Follows, or um, um, oh for heaven's sakes, um, Oculus with Karen mm -hmm. Gillan. Mm -hmm. These are these were not films with big budgets. Yeah. 
Um, but they use oh, their that, money, money. That, that new one that she's in, Duel, where she's yeah, a, Duel. she's playing a clone of herself. Right. The trailer looked interesting. Yeah, it's well, it's an interesting premise. Yeah, it's a it's a twist on the on the clo- uh, the classic you know cloning replacement type of story. Mm-hmm. So you know, right. it's, it's, it's a it's a good identity question picture, I think. So I think that that for some of this stuff, um, you know, it's much more. You see it much more in the science fiction, you know, superhero side of things, where you've got the big budget, big franchise stuff, and it's really easy for the smaller picture to get lost in the noise. And there aren't that many people who are trying to do, you know, if you're if you're if you want to make a superhero movie at this point, the likelihood of someone coming up with something that is not based on a comic book yeah is really small well uh, and i think part of that is the the comic book movie has become a thing and so everybody is looking for that next comic book to develop into a tv show or a movie which is why we've oh, got yeah. the boys and, 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 and much, all these other things. But pretty much every every smaller comic book studio or comic book uh, company at this point has signed a deal. Yeah, whether it's getting well, actually made into something or not, there's everybody's got their own television their division and film division and right. all of that, and they're and they're developing it specifically for that. Which this this is this is a topic we should circle back around to this idea of comic books as feeder material the farm league as opposed to to write write a good comic book for the sake of writing a comic book don't write your netflix pitch as a comic book write a comic book tell me a good story that entertains me and has good art and and it's a comic book instead of you well, know, yeah, I, I honestly too many are, people are doing are, that now. There are a bunch of great horror comics right now that would make fantastic series, not movies, series mm-hmm. um, out there. Someone is killing the children. Um, Once in future, which is um, uh, King Arthur is nightmare fuel. Um, Okay. In the modern day, yeah. and uh, be beware, beware um, the strength of myth. Um, but uh, this, the, these, would, these would make fantastic series that would require decent size HBO budget money, right? Yeah. You, you, you know, you're looking, at, you're looking, not quite Westworld money, yeah, not quite Game of Thrones money, but it's up there. It'd be up there. I'm pretty sure that we could come up with something for a hundred thousand dollars. Oh yeah, I mean, yeah. I think that there's there's. We have a PayPal account, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> YouTube keeps fifty five percent of the super chats, so uh, so we've got a we've got a PayPal. You got a ways account. to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, so the thing is, is that there are. While your field is definitely dominated by the Marvel Cinematic Universe. There are folks who are out there doing those kind of stories. Um, years ago, if I could look this up, because I can't remember the name of the director, The Scribbler, you and I have talked oh, about yeah. The Scribbler Yeah, we've before. talked about that before. Um, and um, which I quite liked. Um, it. Uh, I got to a certain point and then it stopped playing. I was doing some sort of, I, I can't even remember what I was watching it on. It was, I think it was Netflix. And yeah, something so it, something was wrong with the file. I never I never got a chance to finish it. And and just get a load of this cast here: Katie Cassidy. Mm-hmm. If you're a fan of the the Arrowverse, you know Katie, Katie Cassidy, Eliza Dishku, uh, Michelle Trackenberg, Garrett Dillahunt, Gina Gershon. Um, it's uh, Michael uh, uh, Imperioloni, uh, Ashlyn Yenny, who who I know personally mm-hmm. um, because I worked with. She's uh, one of the stars of the Human Centipede films uh, i've worked i worked with her on a feature film uh several years ago it's a really solid cast in an unusual little superhero film came out in 2014 guys if you haven't seen it i recommend checking it out it's not marvel level in terms of special effects or anything like that but i quite enjoyed it for being a 
pretty clever um just different take on the superhero genre but nobody saw it yeah um i mean it just it's one of those films where you know it just it it was going to disappear it's fade into the background it it didn't have chris evans in it. it it didn't have robert downey jr in it i mean um and but you but just again think of that think of those cast names these are these aren't folks who are and they're not slumming it in this they're well they're they weren't they weren't as yeah but some of them weren't as established as they right. are now this is like b- before you know before they were stars type thing uh ms makes a point a small movie is coming out of the pocket of the director if they don't make that money back they most likely can, cannot make another one sure. studios only want the next star wars when it comes to sci-fi and that's an excellent point it's not just you know not just sci-fi where the studios want, and, and we've talked about this, the problem with studios is that they want the next big thing, but they're afraid to make the next big thing because they have absolutely no idea what the next big thing is going to be. And so they don't want to take the risk of trying to make the next big thing, and then it's not. So they well, keep falling back on, let's do this again, let's do this That's why we get so many remakes and reboots now, because that's all they know that's quote-unquote safe. And it's well, turning I mean, out to not if, to be. If that's what people are buying the tickets for, then that's what they're going to do. Remember, folks, Hollywood, of course, is a business. But it's, if that's all there is out there, then... Well, and know, every, that becomes, and, that's the catch-22. And I yeah. think that's, that's really the... It's really the the strength and downside to something like the Marvel Universe is that as long as the formula works, yeah. But if the formula does stops working, you've got a lot of money that's been invested in in that going forward. There's but, a we we talk about Phase Four Phase. There's money being spent on Phase Five right now, guys. There's probably right. money being spent on Phase Six. If if this if Phase Six never happens, if if the bubble finally bursts, um, you know that's money that, that's just going to disappear. And so, you the when it comes to spending money, we talk. You know, it seems sometimes like Hollywood is just throwing money at things, mm-hmm. but in many ways they're incredibly conservative with their money. Yeah. Um, but they're they've they've gotten pretty good, and there obviously there are exceptions to the rule. Mm-hmm. There are notorious crashes and burns giant <laughs> flops like uh, where money has been thrown down a pit but they've gotten pretty good at at reading us as a ticket buying you know i monolith. i used to think that i don't think that as much anymore because of how many movies that have come out in the last 4 or 5 years that people were expecting to do better than they than they did well but the last four or five years are, are i think i think end up becoming i mean you, you got know, pandemics you a, and stuff you yeah take you drop that, that out, in the middle of it. it it throws things good still um, i think now dave got a good question here does hollywood today know what it is to take a chance or a risk on a film i don't think they do okay, i think they, they're too they afraid stopped, to they stopped doing that okay folks it's it's steven spielberg's fault <laughs> Um, I'm sorry, but it is. I love. I, I, there's so many great Steven Spielberg films that I really, really love. But he, he, it, this is his fault. I'm sorry. But Spielberg uh, didn't Jaws, do a whole lot of franchises, though. Jaws, Jaws, and uh, in, basically invented the summer blockbuster. Right. And this, this is the point. Okay, this is the point where the industry took. Um, and and I'm sure a film historian will sit there and go, "Aha, uh-huh, this is actually that point." But right. from my perspective. <laughs> This is the point where the film industry sat there and went, what? Uh, because suddenly yeah. it's like we can put a bazillion people in seats and this film can play this film can play in a movie theater for six months, <laughs> eight months, maybe a year. Oh, now you don't man. see that you now because back in the day the, mach- yeah. the machine the machine churns stuff out so things yeah. don't have that thing. But all of a sudden, it was a, it, Jaws really turned into this thing where it's like, okay, every studio, every summer mm-hmm. had to have, and this was also a time when your goal was to not only get people, but you were trying to get the younger people in yeah. those seats. Well, and I think Star because, Wars solidified that too, because you know, right. Ray came oh, yeah. out right afterwards and it, it changed everything. 
So Waterworld <laughs> is a bad movie. It's getting a sequel. It's getting it's a remake. A it's getting something. I'm not, a TV series, I'm not I saying think. I'm not entertained by Waterworld. Yeah. There's a lot to enjoy in Waterworld. But it is a, it has got, and there's a, the, the, if you want an episode of Tim's movies that are fatally flawed, yeah, that's part of that. But um, now John, John Carter, Carter, John Carter's a, a, an unusual beast. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to make a recommendation. I've re- I've recommended this before. There is a book called John Carter and the Gods of Hollywood. I highly recommend it because it is an epic saga of love lost and frustration and betrayal and suspicion and corruption and decades decades the studios have been trying to make the John Carter movies. It wasn't just this last one. Disney finally managed to do it. But this was this was one of those where nobody could figure this thing out. And and all the rights and the back and forth and this story and that story and this thing. I mean, there's a there's a long history of people trying to make this thing work. Stanton did it. The problem with John Carter was twofold. One, by the time it got into theaters, all of the executives who had greenlit it had gone on other places and they didn't care about it. And the people who were in charge were like, well, we're not going to do anything to help those people succeed because they're not here anymore. And this isn't our film. And And this is is a real problem in Hollywood administrative culture. Office politics. that. That it, yeah, office politics is murder in Hollywood. Yeah, Hollywood's run by a bunch of junior high girls. So the second part of that was right as John Carter was getting done finished, Bob Iger was buying Marvel and Lucasfilm. Well, now we don't need John Carter anymore because we've got the real thing. We got Star Wars and we've got we've got Marvel because Disney needed something to bring in the boys, the male audience, and John Carter was going to be it. Until Iger bought Lucasfilm and Marvel. He already had Pixar. But when he got Marvel and then he got Lucasfilm, well, he didn't need John Carter anymore. So the whole thing just kind of went, Don. Yeah, no, we've, we have, champ- if you've, if you have not caught our episodes, we have championed John Carter on this, on this very, very show. Yeah. Um, they're back there. You can find him without too much difficulty. John Carter okay. and the Gods of Hollywood. I highly recommend it. It's a, it's a fascinating and frustrating read. So, the question of you know both of those films are as good as Avatar. While I will disagree with you on Waterworld, <laughs> personal opinions aside, the thing is is that Avatar. Here, here's the thing about Avatar. Avatar is spectacle. Very simple story. Very it's, we've seen that yeah. we've we've seen and heard and read. That story is a hundred and fifty years old, if not older. It is a. I mean, um, yeah. This is it's probably, no, it's a lot, it's a lot older surface than level. Years. I call it dances with Smurfs. It is. It is. But the thing is, is that it is a spectacle movie. Yeah. And on a technical level, it okay, so this is my problem with this, this is my problem with this entire filmmaker. And it's George Lucas's fault. He is he makes really technically complicated and beautiful films and i remember sitting in the theater watching titanic Uh. which on a technical level on a technical level is a work of art i'll give you that and on a historical level and i am not like this you know i don't have a history degree i have a i have a I like to read and I'm curious level of, of yeah. history knowledge. I got a bunch of history books on the bookshelves just because I like this stuff. But I'm not like, but I'm watching this movie and I cannot get over the fact that none of the events that happened in this film would have happened in the world. Or actually did happen. See, and or that, was, that I mean, was my big thing because you're telling me a story that takes place during an actual historical event. Something that really happened, 
Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting there thinking, okay, out of all of the people who were passengers on this on this doomed expedition, you can't find one person with a story that's interesting enough that you can tell me that story because they're a real person. You got to make up this mumbo jumbo. Well, Paint and, me like your French girl thing, and it—I mean, it was stupid. But it's a beautiful, sweet love but it was story. And I'm stupid. Like, I'm looking great. like they weren't there. Oh, I know. Tell, but I think if you're gonna the, if you're gonna put a story on the Titanic, tell me the story of somebody who was actually on the Titanic. Well, okay, but there's a grand history of Titanic films not even being remotely close to reality. I, I know, I know. It's it's, it's I think it might if be. If you're the gonna law. spend that much money. <laughs> I mean, come yeah, on. I mean, like this said, goes back it, to that whole idea of the of the gargantuan blockbuster oh, spectacle a, tentpole thing. It's a beautiful it's a beautiful technical achievement, but I could never get over the fact that Billy Zane's character would have chucked him over. And Billy Zane's at this at this time period, this is an Irish kid on a boat yeah. with an aristocrat. The aristocrat, the, the the wealthy guy, chucks the Irish kid over the side, and it wouldn't, which would have happened very early in the movie and everyone would have sat there and went yeah yeah i mean they wouldn't miss him well people would miss him and it would still would have been murder but it's not the point the point is he would have gotten away with it um and in that time period yeah he would have gotten away with it so so what we need to do is we need to come up with a hundred thousand dollars and do um, it's got to be modern era because period piece period pieces cost. The budget goes right to the roof. Whether it's eighteen hundreds or twenty fifth century, you, you got to give me give me a nineteen forties movie. I love them, but God, they the, yeah. the the dollars add up. Well, we've we've done the period. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, hundred thousand. We'll come up with something. I mean, we've got we've got all sorts of creative skills that we i'm sure we're well, going to for a hundred thousand so there's we'll there's, crowd some, there's, there's, there's some interesting stuff that you can do with with various science fiction and i mean uh science fiction and and superhero films you can you can make them on a budget you can do stuff um one of the one of the most interesting and i for a lot of people it's apparently very challenging and and i don't know if i just read the right books at that point remember primer mm-hmm um science fiction time science fiction time travel film on a ridiculously tiny budget yeah um and everyone was when that film came out it was you know every festival was talking about how great it was people were and it actually did really good numbers um for its scale on home video back in the day i think dvd sales are really good um its problem was that while it, I think people played up the fact that it was a complicated story mm-hmm. to the point where I think it also turned some people off because it was not that complicated. Yeah. Uh, MS is saying adapt Clifford C. Max book way station. Okay. You want, you, so, so have we done Have we, have we done a show in a while on if you're going to adapt a series of books um, if you're gonna, if you're gonna, we want to build a new franchise. Mm-hmm. Here's the science fiction or, or franchise think, that you need done, to do, or the horror franchise one. you need to do. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I remember that, we, we talked about the last legionary books. Right. We talked about. We, I think we've talked about some of that in the past, and I think that if, as long as we, as long as we try and take a fresh look at it, because I was thinking, you know, just imagine on HBO budget money, David Brin's Uplift Saga. Mm. Get. Get the production team who's doing uh, Foundation to do Uplift. Well, get is Foundation doing well? I'm not. I'm not. I just, I'm, I just want the visual aesthetics. Right. I want because I. I think. I think Foundations. To me, one of Foundations' biggest strength is that it looks like a poten- a a future. There. Mm-hmm. The production design, I think, is is really really good on that show. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to see something like that, for, you know, uplift or or some of these other series. Um, give me the man. Give me the man Kazin Wars. <laughs> give me give me an epic. Well, do it do it like Space Above and Beyond. Sure. Yeah. And and give me you know the 
if you're if you're the um, if you're watching Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds, they introduce the Gorn, um, but they don't show the Gorn because nobody who sees the Gorn lives. No. So you so there yeah you uh, but um, you know you could you could tease the appearance of the Kazinti and and then and then have them show up and be all like murderous cats and everyone's like <laughs> I knew this day would come this is what happens when you give them thumbs. Um, no, yeah, Wave Station, uh, Clifford Simic. There's, um, oh, there's, there's so many, there's so many books that, so, so many book series yeah. that could actually be incredible franchises if you wanted to take the chances that currently you only get taken on the smaller budget projects because Hollywood's big budget projects. Again, it's all about as long as you keep showing up. Mm-hmm. And buying the ticket for that film, and I'm not saying this is bad, guys. I'm, that this sound, this sound, this is like me going. As long as it's all your fault, yeah. it's, it's if you personally keep going to see Marvel movies, <laughs> this is all we're going to get. No, I go see them too, but it, it, it is that's the but Hollywood. That's, yeah, that's the lesson that Hollywood takes away. Is that's, that's oh yeah, all and, and quite frankly, that's it's supply and demand. That's what they're doing. It's it's basic economics, and that's Hollywood. Um, it would be lovely and nice if Hollywood was about the art, <laughs> but I have news. Um, you have, you'd have to go back to never, never. You'd have to go back to never to find Hollywood being about the art. It has always been about the do- the bottom line. Yeah. You know, we get, we get some great stuff out of it. But... Well, and, and it's going to be interesting to see as, as stuff comes out of other places i know daily wires doing stuff but other other companies as they as they ramp up and decide hollywood hollywood can go do their own thing we're going to go do our thing and we're going to do our thing over here and they're going to do their thing over there i think as things kind of start to spread out a little more you're going to get more opportunities for those smaller pictures to get made well you're the fact that you've got the streaming services are now producing stuff right yeah. So, you I mean, what, wherever the source comes, and the good news is, is that this means that potentially, if you are a niche market, somebody is probably going to make a story for you. Yeah. Which, on a viewer level, is fantastic. On the other hand, niche markets don't last very long, so don't get attached. That's um, when you make your movie, you make your money, you get out. But the fact is, is that because they are producing their own things, you are more likely to get what was that uh, uh, time travel alien invasion film that Chris Pratt just did the year last year. The Tomorrow War. Yeah. 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 Okay. So I mean, the budget on that was not small, but compared to a lot of other big Hollywood science fiction blockbusters, it was not anywhere near that budget so you're going to get more stuff like that um you know you're you're more likely to get more things like um just doing terrible with names tonight uh the uh um the rock um gal gadot um oh the uh, ryan red notice red notice Notice. okay you're more likely to get stuff like that because um it's cheaper to make action romps where your biggest budget is the your three actors yeah so uh robert's got a follow-up to our money edition of live from the bunker from last week says coinbase dropped 75 percent in the last few days now goldman sachs downgraded from buy to sell Always fun when um, that happens. I crypto is is I, I I've never wrapped my head around it, and I'm not going to try okay. now. <laughs> so here's so so here here's here's the problem in a nutshell. If you have a deregulated thing, mm. if that is your business model, you're screwed because nobody's regulating it. Well, there's no there's no safety net. Yeah. Well, and the whole the if, whole blockchain technology was supposed to be the safety net, but yeah. Any anyway, speaking if, of, 
a recommendation of my own here, yeah. just because if you are you are, if you are fascinated by the train wreck that is crypto, mm-hmm. if you are fascinated by the hopes and dreams of Web three, <laughs> um, there is a there is a website called Web three is going great, and it is it has a running tally of how many billions of dollars have gone down the drain yeah folks need ideas that are solutions in search of a problem no speaking of a neat idea that's kind of a solution that's answer to a problem tomorrow on live from the bunker we're going to be talking about odyssey Drew Hancock, who is a uh, community coordinator uh, with with Odyssey, with the video platform, he's going to be here to talk about it, and uh, we're going to look at the development of the platform as a as an alternative to YouTube, and I and I may turn it into a subscriber stream and and you know do a do a little do a little telethon to try to build up our numbers there, and then tomorrow night we've got a brand new hour in the Ranker Pit. We're going to talk about the finale of Show Me the Baloney. And uh, and uh, then on Saturday, uh, we moved it a week because Mr. Harvey had to go do his thing. But Saturday, we're going to have foreign bodies at 1 p.m. Eastern. So uh, do check that out to be back for that. Of course, all the social media platforms where you can find us, all the video platforms there. We have mentioned the tip jar and the newsletter. You can sign up for that. And that's going to do it for us tonight. Uh, don't forget, this show is available as a podcast, if that's your preference. But uh, do leave us a comment if you're here on replay. Uh, send us feedback if you've got suggestions for topics. The email address is h2o at sci-fi4me.com. And we will do this. We've already got our topic for the next show. Yes, but we are taking next week off because it's the right. 4th of July. Yep. And uh, happy 4th of July, everyone. Hope you have a great holiday. Uh, be safe. Don't Make sure all your fingers and limbs are still intact after the holiday. And, uh, yeah. yeah, we'll see you after when we get back. All right. Have a good week. Have a good night. Have a good holiday. We'll be back. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media. You're listening to Sci-Fi For Me Radio. 